My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road. I feel so. Wednesday, September 6th in the year 2023. It's kind of just sliding into the end of the evening. I love that song. It's just really like chill, totally chill. Every night I hear it, I'm like, uh, going to settle in. Only thing I'm missing tonight is like a hot mocha or a, my latte. I'm just drinking water tonight, which is fine. That's fine. But it's all good. It's just, but that, that song is kind of like that creamy, you got to have the creamy latte, you know, like with the, you actually use cream instead of milk, and you're just going to slide it right in there. It's good. That's nice. Hey, um, financial stuff is always important to everybody, and it should be important to you. And I know that you've worked hard for your retirement savings and putting stuff away for a rainy day. 
and we've got this evil cabal that wants to steal it, take it, devalue the money, do all those nasty things so that you don't have any left. And that just can't be. So that's why we've got the folks at Birch Gold who've been with us now for about a year. They've done an incredible job. And uh, they continue to be there for Mars Nation to help secure your retirement wealth and get it settled into tax-deferred IRAs that are precious metal-backed. So if you will text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, they'll send you a free info get, and you can get in there and get informed on what they're doing. And they're great folks over there. We'll guide you through a process to help ensure that the money you've worked hard to keep and earn will stay that way. And there's nothing better than getting that backed by precious metals, especially in a time when we have a currency and a, that's falling and a government that's printing more paper with nothing behind it. It's truly just adding more debt. And that's just what they do. So again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, and let the folks at Birch Gold give you a hand. Why don't you do that today? It's a good idea. So there you go. Well, Patriots, there's a lot of change coming. I think we all know that. And I think that's probably one of the one things that we can all agree upon is we really don't know what's ahead. I think about this a lot. It's amazing. In fact, I was just having a conversation a little bit ago about the way our children grew up in this day. And it's really quite an unfortunate event. Um, I'm going to use an interesting example. So... My favorite pistol is a 1911, 45 caliber. And the thing about the 1911 that I like so much is it has been the same since it was first introduced. Very little to any changes. There's a few minor changes, but overall, the 1911 is the same pistol that's been there forever. And there's a lot of other pistols out there, right? And there's a lot of different styles of pistols and the different way the striker hammer works and striker and the hammer works and all that. Which I know I didn't just say that right, but I'm not going to worry about it. There's a lot of there's pistols with double stack clips and you can get 18 rounds in there. And then my 1911 has eight rounds. And it's got a couple double safeties and a lot of things like that. But my point is that the 1911 has been consistent. And while all these other pistols have come and, and gone, for that matter, the 1911 has been consistent. You can find parts for it. You can find manuals on it and how to break it down and do gunsmithing on it. You can do some modifications on it to improve its accuracy and performance, but it's still the same pistol. Our youth in this world are growing up in a world where that type of idea of having something that consistent in your life doesn't exist. They live in a world of constant and perpetual change. And unfortunately, that's the constant and normal in the digital world. And that sort of processing of, and it's, it's, it's using and expiring, using and expiring. So you use an app and you use it for a while and then somebody does an update and then do another update. And these are all minor updates and they always give you the little minor updates. And then pretty soon they'll go, oh, major update. And the major update, if you're in a program, will usually cost you money. And the other major update, if you're in an app, will often change the entire way it looks, the color, the, the operational layout, everything. But they've done all this because they've decided it's better for you and better for me. 
that type of change is a constantly reorienting yourself into the world, especially for youth when they are so much of their life is interacting in those places. And it, it's not God's world, though. God's world is very steady, very constant. And obviously, there's things like earthquakes and there's tornadoes and things like that. But my point is that God's world is a very steady process of growth. It's regular cycles, but there's always a mystery and a perfection in everything that goes on. And what's happened to our youth is they have fallen farther from that and more deeply into this world of imperfection, constant change, and destabilization. And that has an effect on the core psyche and the entire persona of the individual. The one thing about Scripture, and that's yet another example, is Scripture is constant. I mean, it's the Word is the Word. And yet what we discover as we go through Scripture that it gives us more back the deeper we dig in. We read, we dig in deeper, we find, we discover, we, re, we reevaluate our world, and it's constantly a process of, of learning and expanding, but it's through the same set of words and texts that we're re-wording, re-reading and relearning. That's not happening in the digital world. And this is where we start to get into some real dangers for our future. And this is really, a, the conversation here is really geared towards what are we doing with our children? On one hand, we have the looming and constant threats of child sex trafficking and the idea of them being used for something other than what they're intended, which is instead of being children, they're using for somebody's sex toy or they're being used for organ harvesting or something horrible like that. But the way of life for a child and this constantly under this sort of change is a life of stress. And in fact, it's a formula for the foundations of what we have come to know as MK Ultra training. Because MK Ultra is constantly a place of breaking down and leaving somebody in a place of stress and trauma so that you can reprogram and enter back in. So where are we when we start looking at this, and we start looking at our world, we have to start asking some pretty hard questions. What can we do in this digital world that is worthy of evolving into a good human in God's eyes? And it's not an easy answer because when we start watering things down, there's not a lot of goodness in the technological space. There may be goodness in the effects that we do in certain key areas like this, this is a great platform here that we've managed to niche out like a kingdom space within all of this. But on an aggregate whole, technology isn't designed to be beneficial. It's designed to be extractive and it's designed to be controlling and it's designed to be surveillance driven. That's, that's its idea. So it doesn't have in its very node core something good for humanity. It has only in its node core something bad for humanity. And children that are interacting on these spaces, which is so normal. And unfortunately, what has happened is that parents have used technology as a babysitter. It's a cheap one. Put it in front of the kids. They're entertained. They'll be quiet for a while. And they don't see the impact of what's actually happening. And a lot is happening there that isn't good. 
When you have a a phone, a tablet, there's for every app that's on there, there's a half dozen to a dozen engineers that have been working on that app to make it more attractive to you or to your child. And they don't do that by trying to make it more content-driven necessarily. But the things that they do definitely do is they work with people like the guys that design addictive gaming in the casinos. They look at colors. They look at frequencies. They look at at these sort of stutter flashes that they do, the flicker. That's what I'm trying to say. And they do all these things to create a rhythm and an, and an addiction to their to their product that will draw somebody in, especially if it's children. And then that becomes part of their world. What's really important and I think very tragic for many of these children is they're interacting in a two-dimensional world early on. And yet the world that we live in is is three physical dimensions, and then there's the spiritual dimensions around us, which takes probably up to five dimensions equally easily around us. And the idea of putting a child in front of a tablet that early on is going to have a massive effect in the way that they can visualize, process, and, and cognitively work through the world. And there's something there about reducing them in their strength and marginalizing them into a more slave mentality. I don't have that exactly why, but I can tell you it's there, and I know that it's part of the process of this programming. And it's not specifically one thing. I think parents have this idea that if we choose specific apps, it's safe for children. The answer is there are no apps out there that are really safe for children if they're spending an enormous amount of time. Because the appliance itself has nothing to do with the natural world. The the appliance itself, if anything, is a portal that every time we use it is something that's mimicking or trying to, so it's mimicking, but trying to access a demonic, demonic dimension. That may be a leap for some of you, and I get it. And I know that that's just an offhanded statement. It's like, all right, prove it. There, the way that it's proven is what how the how the occultists and how the left talk about technology and they refer to technology just that way that it is a representation of do as thou will which is symbology of the satanist cult they look at it as a way to conjure up demons they believe that they see technology in these interfaces like a black mirror they see these especially with AI, there's more and more discussion, and even Elon Musk has acknowledged that AI is conjuring up the demons. So I guess the the point that I go to is, if you're looking for proof, and I'm just, I'm bringing this out because I bumped into it, not because I am tonight, but I have bumped into it. Look at how they talk about technology to find the core truth of what technology is. Because their discussions are trying are doing what they're always doing. They have to reveal the truth to us in a spiritual law. That's the first given order. They have to. How that truth is delivered to us and how we accept it is up to us. But nonetheless, that's how what they're saying is that all technology is built around this concept of do as thou will. And with that, They've created a a framework to where we are constantly interacting with the occult and with the demonic. So that starts to get us into some scriptural areas that are pretty important, and which comes to mind right away is the helmet of salvation. 
And we took that pretty lightly. I think we've read, we've all read Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, probably a hundred times or more. But they, what is the helmet of salvation? And I don't have a, a specific answer to that. But what I will say is the helmet of salvation is something pretty amazing when you can start considering idea of protecting your thoughts. And in protecting your thoughts, you're dealing with something that's trying to penetrate your thoughts. And that is a lot of what the technology space, the interaction on the web is actually doing. It's important to appreciate that the occult sees technology. And this is what I'm going to be, I'm interested to, I'm really excited to bring you an interview tomorrow with Joe Allen, who works for Steve Bannon, and he is um, the one that has been the transhumanist expert. Really, really good guy. And so that's just really solid. And I think you'll appreciate what he has to say. And he digs in deep into the spiritual side of this really well, in fact. It was a good discussion. And you'll, you'll see it tomorrow, or you'll hear it tomorrow. But my point of this is that we have to start looking at technologies differently, but I'm going to challenge something else too. And I had a good conversation with a friend of mine today about this exact thing. We are locking ourselves into these technologies by our own choice and free will. So let me walk, walk you through what I'm saying. These technologies that we currently have, we've become dependent on in many good ways. I'm not saying negative either, sometimes negative, but in a good way. If we're using it for Podbean here, if we're using it for broadcasting podcasts, if we're using it to call one another as we're driving, there's some very positive things. We've been able to connect humanity. If it hadn't been for the, the World Wide Web and the, the applications that we're using, we wouldn't be having the Great Awakening. Let's be real. But what we've done is we've limited ourselves and not let God in on this topic. Sure, we pray on these platforms. But we know that these platforms are dark. We know this. And it struck me today that what we're not doing is seeking God's guidance to create platforms, to create technologies, or open our eyes to new technologies that will literally transform things that will be positive into from the enemy's hand of negative. I have... The more you study the, the cabal, the more you realize that almost everything that they do mocks God. It's, it's, they live by that. So the question I've asked, and I've asked many times, is if the Internet was created by them, ultimately, to be a controlled device by luring people in and controlling people, what is it that they're actually mocking that God has that's better and greater than the internet? What is it that they're mocking that God has that's better than greater than text messaging and emails? See my point? Or Snapchat or whatever else it is we have out here for these TikTok or Telegram. What is it that they're, these technology platforms are mimicking and mocking that God already has that we can't see or it's been denied from us or removed from our understanding. And it's a really important perspective here because if the enemy has the internet, God has something greater. If the enemy has cell phones, God has something greater. And by the way, that doesn't necessarily mean a sat phone either. And I don't have these answers, 
But my point is that that's a point of starting for me of where I start to say, okay, if God has something greater, what is it? And how do we open those doors? How do we get God to open those doors for us? And I think a lot of it is us being willing to step back fearlessly, acknowledging, first of all, that technology is limited, and then opening our prayers up to ask God to start showing us a way to start seeing the world and involving the world into a technological direction that is in alignment with kingdom. And perhaps technology isn't the right word, but it's what we have to work with. There may be something else because it may be a more organic nature of the spiritual nature of who we are. It may be at the root of who we are as the children of the Most High. It may be part of us in being given part of our inheritance from God himself. But I guarantee all of it is going to require one thing, that we have to come to him, be humbled before him, and seek to be greater in him than we are in ourselves, which means we have to destroy the body, destroy the flesh to rise into the spirit. And so all of this is an interesting framing of our world where we are today because we keep getting caught in these oodalips and the enemy's good at it. I'm telling you, they are masterful. They get us to believe that we're unworthy. They get us to use our own words in terms of a witchery by spell casting ourselves into, into demise. We tell ourselves when something happens, and you've heard me say this, that we can't or it can't be done before we say we can, and by God's will, anything's possible. These are all spell casting tricks, is what they are. And they're extremely powerful because the spell casting locks us into where we are. A doctor tells you you have cancer, you agree. You've accepted a spell cast. The doctor tells you you have not six months to live. You agree. Even if you don't agree, your subconscious has said, I've got six months, and you hear it, and it becomes part of you because we don't have good control or mastery over our minds. And the discipline of getting that mastery is not something that is native in the way that Christianity is presented to the world. The idea of sitting still in a meditation with a quiet mind. I've actually had Christians tell me that's satanic. And I'm like, excuse me? That's blasphemous. You do not do that. That is, that's the occult stuff to sit quietly and have a quiet mind. I'm like, man, I do not want inside your head. I bet that's like, it's going to be like a knitting party on steroids or something. It's going to be horrible. So we have to get to a place where We literally have to get to a place where we seek the quiet mind and learn to hear the voice of God. And that's a discipline. And as the more that we do that, that quiet voice comes in many different ways. It comes in many different waves. And with this comes knowledge. Now, there's two principal issues that I work with all the time. Knowledge and wisdom versus the enemy's data and information. Enemy plays with numbers, which is data and information, which is just whatever they throw at us. That's, that's the enemy. There isn't a lot of substance to it. There is always some, but then there isn't, it isn't filled with substance. But when you're dealing with knowledge and wisdom, that's God's way, the depth of what that is and the wisdom that we're given. And so when we're approaching technologies, it's interesting that when we look here, I don't hear people often praying to the Lord saying, 
Lord, show us a technology that we can use to accomplish these things. Reveal those technologies to us that will be in alignment with kingdom and be in alignment with you. I don't know what that looks like, but I know it's there. And I know that we can find it. And I know that if we open our minds that God will reveal it. And it's important because what we have done is we have spellcasted ourselves into a very powerful trap. We have told ourselves, I, I can't live without Twitter. I can't imagine living in without email. I can't imagine how we would get by without a phone. How would we survive now, even though we did it for years? How do, how do we communicate with one another? What happens if we're deplatformed and we no longer can find each other? What will happen? These are all panics and they're, they're anxiety issues that are also part of a spell cast that we're doing to ourselves. Someone said to me earlier, it's like, well, how much longer? What are you going to do? What are you going to do if you're deplatformed? And I said, I don't know. And it's not on my worry yet because if I'm deplatformed, God already has another plan that I know. And so these are the things we have to work through to have the trust in him that he will reveal. Maybe that other direction will be something within the existing internet. And maybe there's something new that he will show us and reveal us and how things can happen. And maybe it'll have nothing to do with these screens. We have to understand that everything about the technologies that we're using now is not designed to benefit humanity. That has to be understood. Whether it's the frequency of the screen, the color, the color refresh point of the screens, whether it's the chips inside of this, the, the EMF that these things lay off on us, whether it's the hacking that goes on in the software and, and or the software behind that's trying to track your data and transmit it to somebody for some nefarious use. I mean, that's the systems that we're on now. It is so unbelievable how we have become accustomed to having our IDs stolen. You use a bank card, it gets compromised. You call your bank, they're like, we'll get you one out right in the mail, but if you come down to the bank today, we can get you a temporary right today. I, mean, I, I had this happen and after or before the previous Bards Fest, we bought four barbecue grills. I went, I bought it at Lowe's. Lowe's, and the next day I was notified that Lowe's was had another had a breach in their data security. My card was frozen instantly. So I said, okay, how long is, gonna, is it going to take? And they said, well, it'll take a week. And I'm like, I don't have a week because I'm leaving the Bards Fest. She says, oh, it's no big deal. Just go down to the bank. They'll have a temporary for you there. And I'm saying all this because it's become normal for us to live this way. I walk into the bank. I come up to the teller. I say, my card's been hacked. She says, yep, I see it right here. Uh, here hang on a minute. She reaches around the desk, pulls out. A, she goes, I've got another one for you right here. And I even commented. I'm like, I can't believe how easy and normalized this has become. She says, I know it happens all the time. That's the technologies that we're working on. And it's all a mockery of God because everything is imperfect. How many times do you know that God has said to you, uh, hey, um, son, um, I'm going to do a, a system download tonight because I've got to do an upgrade to the security platform. It's going to put you offline for a little bit. And then uh, when you wake up, you'll have to reboot. And then once you reboot, uh, there'll be a few minutes of processing downtime before you can talk. And then pretty soon you'll be okay. This is... Truly, truly a critical part of what we are immersed in all the time. It's developing a reset 
in the way we think so that imperfection becomes normal. And it softens the gateway for other things. It's Imagine you're growing up as a youth, and I go back to that, in a world that's constantly changing, constantly telling you that things are imperfect, they're constantly refreshing, they're constantly giving new updates, and then someone says to you, what's your gender? Now, for me, that's a, it's a crazy question. It's like, well, there is no question there. I know what I am. But for a youth that has seen that everything is imperfect in the entire digital ecosystem that they've been immersed in since birth, why would they think that they are perfect? Why would they think that they're built in God's image? I don't care if you've told your child that or not. If you're immersing your child in the digital world, allowing that digital babysitter to take hold and grip hold of him as the demons flow into him or her, if you're turning your child over to the public schools where the digital appliance is the centerpiece of almost everything, and they're constantly going through the imperfections of technology, working around things, figuring out how to solve the imperfections of technology, and they're told that this is, this is becoming their access to the world, why would they think that God would be perfect? Why? And the answer is they won't. So why would, when we struggle with this idea of trans, transgenderism and changing your gender or going through gender modification or identifying as a cat instead of a human, we can see the processes that are being used to reinforce this. Common core, critical race theory, and then queer theory, all of those things lock together and they become a process to change the way a child sees the world and the way they see themselves. But the most important part of this is they're already adapted to the idea of imperfection. That has become their standard. Why? Because they use these ridiculous digital appliances. They're not growing up with a chisel and a hammer and learning that the imperfection of the wood in their joint isn't the wood, it's them. They're not learning to work with the grain of the wood, for example, to see that before you even cut it, you can get an idea how it is going to be cut and how you're going to cut it with that chisel and hammer. They aren't experiencing that. And they're sure as heck not experiencing the idea of perfection that can be created through constant work and doing. So... The questions that come back again and again is how do we, why do we expect a child not, this is a double negative, but why would we expect a child not to embrace gender pluralism when they have been shown through everything that they've experienced that imperfection is the normal and therefore God is imperfect? And that's because as a, as a society, we have unleashed the demons and allowed the demons to literally be their babysitters. That's what's happening in that world of the digital space. And it's tragic. It's truly tragic. We have to make a recalibration. And it's a calibration that we have, it's on us to do. And that calibration is going to be one that we have to start thinking a recalibration is how are we going to reset this world? We can't completely reject the technologies, even though we'd like to. It'd be nothing greater than to have a day where we could take all of this stuff 
and literally put it into one big grinder and grind it away and never need it again. But we can't do that. But there has to be a balance because a lot of how we control technology and we have to teach our children how to control technology is to approach technology with an intent. Now, this is a very important point because one would ask, if technology is an inanimate object, why would you need any intent? And I argue technology is not an inanimate object. It's a portal. And it opens portals for the demonic, which then allows the demonic into our home and into our lives. So I would argue that since technology is here, and since it's in our homes, wouldn't it be wise to establish each day a prayer around that technology? Wouldn't it be wise that as we teach or hand our children over to an appliance, that we teach them to pray into the intent that they're going to do before they begin to use it? That would seem normal to me. And yet I'll bet most don't do it. Because if we were to do that, then you're establishing that helmet of salvation. You're reinforcing that armor. If we pray into it with that idea of protection, we're establishing a filter in which we can interact with the technology safely and protect us from any demonic activity that's coming out of it. And furthermore, there is an aspect that when we're praying into it, we are shaping the technology in the ways that we use it with the intent of our prayers so that it can't even leave that space until we're done. Why? Because we have authority over all evil. We have authority. But we don't see evil as our appliances, and yet they are. They are purely evil by nature. But what the enemy uses for evil, God can use for good. So while we pray into the idea of ultimately having a technology delivery or download from Father God to show us another way, something that's more in alignment with him or in pure alignment with him, it would seem fairly logical to me that we can stay the time and stay the, stay the attack by doing what I'm saying, which is create an intent of why we're using the technology. Now, let me take this a step further. Every one of us does this at some point. I don't care who you are. You pick up the phone just to go and cruise. You're going to go look at something on Amazon. You're going to go you're going to go over here and you're going to look at Marriott rooms for your next vacation. You're going to pop over here, you're going to look at the weather channel and you're going to do this and that. And all these things, these are all apps, the hundreds of apps. You're going to go shop at one of your favorite stores on an app. You're going to maybe do some cruising on Home Depot and figure out what aisle you want to go to to go look at a specific product. All those things can be done on the apps. It's all there. But what is our true intent? And the thing is, when we step into the use of an appliance and we have an intent, we've shaped the experience not only in our interaction with this potential portal of demonic, we have kept ourselves within a safe zone to operate in so that we don't wander. And that's a discipline. If we understand that dealing with technology is like going to war every time we do, but that there's rewards through that process, again, we define the encounter, we control it, and we have dominion over evil. 
It's a different way of looking at things. But it's one that I think is hypercritical right now. Our world is accelerating more into the technological space, and there's very little questioning going on about the rate, speed, and scope of what we're actually being immersed into. Instead, we're kind of just looking up and saying, okay, someone's going to save us, and along the way, the great white horse and the, and the white hats are going to save us as well. They're going to pull us off course and get us on right course. But we have the power to make that choice ourselves, so why would they bother? We're not part of that warfare plane that they're in. We're in our own. And our own says we have to do something. Our primary mission and commission should always be the children. And it's hard being a parent. And it's demanding being a parent. And homeschooling is even more demanding. And appliances like this are very healthy. But if we're teaching our children to respect these appliances as tools to be used in their growth with God and understanding and teaching them the discipline of using something in a hostile zone and yet having the intent to keep themselves focused and be able to interact with it without having that device, that portal strike back at you. You're teaching them spiritual warfare and you're preparing them for the proper future that's ahead. All of this centers on us teaching the children so that we can, they can engage and they will engage in a better way. And in so doing, keeping themselves safe, being able to use the technology, and most importantly, as we establish boundaries and intent as part of it, the potential to become addicted into the system is greatly limited, not because you put up a filter or a timer or anything else, because you've spent time teaching them the discipline and the art of interacting and engaging with an enemy. That's what every soldier has to learn. It seems like we have to teach our children the very same thing. And that's the challenge we have ahead, in my opinion, one of the great ones. Because if we don't do this, we're just throwing our, the innocent children into the, into the battle zone and they're going to get slaughtered. We can shape the outcomes. That's the bottom line on this. And I say that because we have authority over the enemy. And because with all of this, we can do greater works. And I truly believe that the intent through prayer shapes our experience with the technology and limits the destruction, the backlash, or the damage that might otherwise occur. Let's pray. Father, we're very blessed tonight to be here, and thank you. And thank you for the wisdom that you continue to share on these topics as we try to look into our world in a different way relensing our world to take control of it, but understanding there's limitations to how we can operate and how we must operate. But most importantly, opening our eyes to the potential of realizing that we can control and have dominion over the evil by establishing intent of how we'll interact, especially in the digital space. So, Father, we just pray for that sort of clarity, continued clarity, that focus, as we interact with technologies to set our intent 
to give us the examples before us that we can interact with and see the results so that we become stronger and therefore can be raise up others to do the same. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It's one of these double-edged swords technology. It's going to be a love-hate. And it's something that we just have to endure. But I think instead of saying that, have to endure, it's something that we have to control, overcome, and shape to our benefit, which is translating to the benefit of the kingdom. And as long as we're doing that, I believe that the actual attacks and effective 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 hits or assaults on us are not going to be successful, at least for the most part. And I think that will go true with your children. That way you're not taking everything away, but instead doing the greater thing of teaching them the tools to engage and to be victorious. So patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for, for bended knee. Remember, Bard's Fest tickets are on sale. And it's donation only. $100 recommended donation per person. But nobody's turned away. All right, Patriots, see you tomorrow. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest dead. Oh.